Hey folks, Brian here. I'm chiming in to let y'all know this is a rerun show because we're off for a couple weeks. I got married on August 5th, and y'all know what a whirlwind that could be. So, for a rerun, I chose what is likely my favorite episode, Podcast 85, because it's the folks behind Free Space 2. Since it's my favorite game, it was like really talking to rock royalty, so it really holds a special place in my heart. We'll be back on August 21st, 2017, so until then, have a great week and enjoy the show. Free Space 2 from Volition. Uh, joining us, we have Adam Pletcher, who was the lead game designer on the game and is currently studio architect for Technical Art at Volition. Hello. Hello. Glad also, to be here. thank you. Oh, you have no idea how glad I am that you guys are here. Oh, my God. Uh, we have Mike Coolis, executive producer on Free Space 2, also the founder of Volition and co founder of Parallax Software. Hello. Hi. Oh, hello. <laughs> Sorry. I was waiting to hear what you were going to say I'm doing these days, but uh, anyway. Hello. I couldn't find that. I'm sorry. I couldn't find that. What, what are you... Why? Yeah. I'm sorry. I couldn't find that. What are I you doing these days? This. Yeah. Well, there's no trace of me anymore. Yeah. Mike retired. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not in the industry anymore. Oh, uh, yeah. I found that you retired, but that's all I could find. That's, yeah. That's all that, and, that, and then the book ended. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was pretty much it. Oh, okay. Well, congratulations on your retirement. Uh, I hope it was a good retirement. Um, we also have David Baranek, lead programmer on Free Space 2, currently studio architect for Core Systems Evolution. Oh. Hi. And finally, we have Jason Scott, who is a designer and a writer on Free Space 2 and currently is the studio design director at Volition. Hello. And was also the voice of Commander Snipes. Ah, that's right. Oh, that's right. No way. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, you'll recognize him, I'm sure. See, I forgot all about that. It's all going to come back to us. We'll have, we'll have so much to say about this tomorrow. We should have hidden it to us tomorrow. <laughs> Just like the song, it's all going to come back to you now. So, again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your afternoon to, to join me. Uh, I, I want to thank you for finally being able to sit down and talk to me. Because this is, I still feel 15 years later, the finest space combat game made ever. Period. Yeah, it, it pretty much killed the whole genre, actually. No, it when didn't. They re- oh, God. <laughs> they released that, and everybody else was just like, all right, oh. we're done. Oh. Yeah, they all surrendered. Yeah, we're, we're, we are going to get to that, but I, I want to talk about how this kind of came to be, because before the Free Space games, and we'll touch on Free Space 1 a little bit, too, you guys did, like, a couple of Descent games, so what kind of made you want to expand out into the openness of space. Um, so Descent was successful, and from that we concluded <clears throat> anything we did would be successful. <laughs> so we thought we would do whatever we wanted to do, and um, asked, I, I don't know, it was like, and obviously Adam was going to drive this project, and Adam wanted to make a space game. That's how I remember it. I know that there wasn't any market research or any kind of analysis I went into. We'll be successful. What do we want to do? Let's do that. Obviously, Adam's going to drive the project. I'm not. I don't recall that being the first thought. I think it was sort of like we're not sure what we're doing. You want to write something up? You got you know. So I wrote. You know, the only. I think in hindsight, probably the only game design I had in me at sort of a genetic level um, was for a space combat game because it was just. The kind of game, you know, I played a lot in college, and that was just, you know, uh, I don't know. That was just, like, my favorite kind of game at the time, and I uh, I wrote a couple pages that are probably laughable today, and uh, I'm sure they're laughable today. I, I don't even, I'm sure we don't even have that text, unfortunately. Yeah, have you have you ever uh, heard of a game called TIE Fighter? Yeah, oh, well, yes. of course. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, I played a lot. That, that that game cost me letter grades in college. I'm sure. I was. Uh, let's see. I was playing that a lot in college, and before that, I had played a lot of um, Falcon Three. Oh, oh yeah. I was really. I played the heck out of that game on my 38640 with math co-processor 40 or not. I actually had to go buy a math co-processor yeah, because they deluxe. convinced me that the flight model was going to be so much better with that, <laughs> oh, whatever, whatever it costs. And, you know, 
I'm sure it made a huge difference in the game. Well, the one thing that was really nice about uh, you know you guys' game is I never had to make a boot floppy to try to get the thing to run, unlike Falcon Ugh. 3, where I spent <laughs> yeah. hours. Yeah, or those Origin games. They had, they had their own memory manager yeah, and memory crazy stuff. <laughs> I never did actually get Serpent Isle to run. I had to, I, The first time I got to play Serpent Isle was off good old games. Yeah, so. those are those were not easy to, to get running. The... Yeah. Uh, I guess I get yeah. I mean, Tie Fighter was a was probably my favorite of that series, and I think uh, it was sort of. I don't know. I was watching a lot. There was this TV show that I was watching at the time, um, Space Above and Beyond. I was hoping you were going to say that. Yeah, you guys remember that? Well, oh, I have the DVD right behind me. <laughs> yeah, well, I love that show, and that you know, I, I liked bits and pieces of other shows and other games, and it just sort of it was really easy to write up some something um the fiction for it i mean that all came much later this was more like you know what kind of game would it be how would the how would the gameplay be um how would it play out we didn't really i i, I don't remember this stuff. like free space one i think you and i sat down for about an hour and knocked the story out yeah oh, i think you had <laughs> was... you had three paragraphs and i said that's pretty good um and then <laughs> <laughs> you know, one one thing I don't want to get off topic, but we had four projects going on uh, while we were doing Free Space. Uh, we finished one, and then we decided to make four. Um, we did, yeah. You came, yeah. You were there. You came one year after we started it, right? Yeah, I was about okay. When the Tube Racer was going on, right. Summoner or, or the role playing game. Is no, well, Summoner didn't start until the Free Space too. That's right. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. I, I knew my memory would be faulty. Uh, after Free Space One, okay, can you you can edit this stuff, right? So after Free Space One, we sure. So, yeah, um, right. So I was totally focused on Free Space at that time, um, and uh, that would have been 1996, right? It was. In fact, you were in Ann Arbor. You were coming back to Champagne, so you probably wrote those documents up in Ann Arbor. I did. Yeah, yeah. Adam it's, was working sent to in Ann Arbor uh, with um, at the time. Well, at the time, Parallax Software, right? Right. Um, um, and so I think we had a few phone conversations about it, but not a whole lot more. And then you came back, and boy, I'd love to see those that page of uh, what Free Space is going to be. Um, yeah. But uh, I can't. Re- I remember um, that we were more focused. We thought we had to get you know systems going. Game. What, what's this game going to play like, and so forth, and the fiction. Um, which we thought would be important was not a critical path. So I don't think that a, a whole lot of work was done on that in the first few months of the project. No, there's probably nothing about the kit, the races or anything in that that doc. I'll have to look hard for that document. Dig around in that. What, what kind of fascinates me about that is the fiction in the story is one of the strongest points of free space too. I mean, it was pretty, it was really good for free space. Yeah, well, we hired a writer. No, no, sorry, Adam, no offense, but then Jason Scott (laughs) was not here for free space one. And, uh, and he was here for silent threat, right? I think that was, I think that was the my first week or my first, my first two weeks was rewriting the dialogue for someone. (laughs) Why'd you rewrite it? Uh, (laughs) Um, so how do we do the dialogue in Free Space One? There you wasn't, wrote it. There wasn't a lot of dialogue. Are you serious? Did we write it? Yeah. Well, there was. Yeah. There wasn't. There was like. Whoa. There was voice lines and stuff. Like yeah. Radio lines, but I don't think there was, was there cutscenes. But there's like a lot of text and in the briefings and. You wrote all that. Oh God. <laughs> and then the. Um... Uh, I'd like to issue an apology. <laughs> anyway, we're here to talk about Free Space Two, I suppose. Well, no, that's fine. I mean, we got you got to talk about where it came from. You yeah, know, but, but since they brought comes. up Summoner, I just, I just want to interject in here that I think that Summoner had one of the best viral marketing videos in video game history. <laughs> and you know that what I'm talking big... about. Where's yeah, the Mountain Dew? Dead so, Lives, yeah. Yeah, that was an accident. That was... Uh... What? That was an an yeah. That was not that was not intended to be a marketing thing. It was a. That was Tim Borelli working on this animation. Wasn't yeah, it? exactly. Well, it was Mike Michael Comet who uh, now works at Pixar, which is you know the best place for him. He's a very talented guy. The uh, and Tim Borelli are. Uh, well, gosh, did, did we have Tim at that time? I don't think we did. I don't no, think Tim, so. Well, Tim's the one who got all the credit for it. Oh yeah, you're right. Oh, I don't know who did it. I assumed it was yeah, Tim. Yeah, no, it was Tim. Right. Yeah, it was Tim. Uh, but now this is after. This is that's right. Okay, this is like 
mid to late Free Space 2, if not Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it was an animation test. These guys, you know, our animators like to put them, they like take famous, you know, audio and then animate to them in funny ways. And, you know, like the, when the Phantom Menace trailer came out, they did this whole Phantom Menace, uh, you know, audio, but with summoner characters as the as the video. And, that you should know, be released. Didn't, we can never release it, that. No, we can never. Why would we would get snuffed out we of existence by We could never release that. It would look... Wait a minute. Who owns the rights? To... Well, Disney. Uh, what well, did yeah. we do? We, we used actual... The mouse would murder us. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's funny. Cause, well, I guess that if we're not... We never released it. If there's no chance of us making money off of it, I wonder... And since it's clearly parody... Maybe we could get away with. Well, anyway, this is all off topic. Yeah. So the uh, the thing about animation and and you were talking about the characters and the story and and stuff, and that was one thing that actually struck me about the Free Space games was that the aliens that you saw uh, the one like in the opening cutscene for Free Space One, but you didn't see a whole lot of them. It, I mean, it wasn't like a a Star Trek type of presence, you know, where you've got like Baylock on the screen talking to you, you know, um, they were, they were very enigmatic and scary because of that, because it was just like, what the heck are these things and what motivates them? And, you know, it, it's just like, they're, they're like pouring out of space and trying to kill us. And there's really no reasoning or negotiation that can happen here. Probably just because we couldn't find voice actors at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it may well be that we planned on having a lot of them appear in the game, um, and we ran out of time. I think the amount of cutscenes we hoped to have in Free Space 1 uh, was significantly more than we actually shipped with. Um, but the she, I, I think it was decided early on you could not talk to them. They would not talk to you. Um, but there was, the Vasudan would pop up, right, when you were communicating yeah. with them? Yeah, and then they, they did, we did the garbled language. And all. Oh, they were the bad guys, in the, or they were one of the bad guys in the first one, right? Until the real bad guy. Yeah, right, they were yeah. initially the bad guys. That's right. Well, yeah, and that was, another, that was another interesting thing, was like, oh, you're busy fighting these guys, but they're not really the bad guys. You know, like, you think they're the bad guys, <laughs> but wait till you see what's coming next. So, and I, I just thought that was kind of an interesting twist of, of writing there. Rather than oh, yeah. right from the outset, like okay, here's all this backstory, and we're going to spoon feed this, and then you know, go for it. Um, where they you actually let that plot develop. So I mean, maybe maybe it's something that you just kind of accidentally stumbled into, but I think it's something that has actually shaped writing in the genre since. So what, oh, happy accident. I don't know. I think well, we just like the uh, the. Um, yeah, the, just the mystery aspect of it, you know, kind of keep you guessing what's going on here and leave it open for future exposition. I mean, Wing Commander Prophecy almost outright copied that with their yeah. aliens. I remember that. And did that did that come out in between the two Free Space? No, that was, well, no, that was essentially... Was before Free Space 1? Prophecy was after 3. Wasn't there... There was another one after that, right? Yeah, there's 3, uh, 4, the prophecy, prophecy was... The, Prophecy was the fifth one, and I think he came out not long after Free Space 1. Yes, I think that's right. Yeah, I remember being kind of unhappy with the plot comparisons there, because it, it was pretty... Yeah, it was very much the same sort of vibe. Yeah, and for um, for a Wing Commander game, it was a major shark jump, too, because it, it was... Well, I guess, I guess, you know, they killed all the cats, right? So what do you do after that? But still. Yeah, that's right. Um, but, it, but that was the thing, too, though, that... Uh, I was very, very happy about the voice acting in the game because mm-hmm. Wing Commander had sort of set the bar for uh, like that Top Gun kind of banner between the pilots and, and that. And whenever you go back and, and you look at uh, like that, that remake that they just made um, with the using your engine, oddly, of, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, basically any, any new space game that we talk about that we like, it's like, oh, yeah, it's on the free space engine. So it's uh, so many of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the uh, yeah the wing commander uh, the name escapes me. But they they went back to that and they reproduced that that whole uh, really immature pilot banner stuff and and it's kind of cringy now. <laughs> you know, it's just like <laughs> wow. Okay, and then you go back and and play wing commander from good old games and it's like oh yeah, it really was that bad. Okay, but your game <laughs> it, it was uh, it was more because we, we had the guys. That, that did ancient space on uh, you know just a bit ago, and they were talking about how 
they wanted to keep it in like a military tone and they didn't want to have like a, an excess of emotion and, and uh, you know, people just getting too weird in the voice acting, right, and, and hamming it up. So they, they played it straight. And we had told them at the time, it was like, well, Free Space kind of set the bar for that because it was everybody was quite serious about it. And there there was like a little bit of, of crosstalk between the pilots, but it was mostly business. And, uh, you know, it, it just it just set such a better tone for for that, you know, ra- rather than being something immature, kind of, I guess. Yeah. Like one contrast I really love, if, since we're on that topic, is that in Wing Commander and even Tie Fighter, you're like the best pilot ever. You're the savior of the galaxy. Here, you're an actual kind of just a cog in a military machine, which actually makes you feel even a little more helpless as things go on around you. That's true. I think the the I mean the scale of it was of the war was something we we all liked, and uh, we wanted to kind of emphasize. That this guy, you know, and we some of the choices like having you know, the protagonist not speak, you know, it wasn't like the guy in Wing Commander who you'd see in the little, you know, two uh, D talking back and forth bits in between your missions, and <laughs> um, you know, which is fine. It's just you know they went a different direction. And then they you know went all full motion video, um, but that's uh, it was always it was more interesting to us at least at the time that the guy didn't talk. Right. And uh, that was part of it. You know, he was sort of, it could have been anybody. And TIE Fighter was the same way, right? I mean, that guy never said anything, right? And, no, no. Um, it, you know, you did have a bit more of the cog in the machine feel with TIE Fighter. Those oh, guys. yeah, a little bit. But but they had an established, you know, they had this established universe, of course, and, and could kind of just, just keep going with that. And uh, had a lot of other stories to tell without using him. So, um yeah, it's a, it's a little harder. You got to sell the universe, you know, as a bigger thing if you're making a new piece of fiction like this. So, uh, have you guys considered Free Space Three? Like, could could you do it if you wanted to? Because I well, hear I that you can get about sixty million dollars if you go on Kickstarter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sixty-three at last count, I think. Uh, yeah. Well, Interplay owns those rights, I think. Um, some. Uh, famous or infamous people have variously claimed that they now own those rights, but I'm pretty sure Interplay <laughs> still owns those rights. Um, and uh, I don't want to draw too many conclusions from small data points, but I believe after the success of Fallout, they think all of their old licenses are worth uh, seven and eight digits. Um, so I, I don't, uh, I don't see anyone besides Interplay doing it um, uh, because they own the brand. Yeah, or the trademarks. Yeah, well, we own. I'm not sure. We own the cop. What? Not, what do we? Who owns? We own Parallax the- Software owns the copyright. Parallax Software still exists, but the name uh, and anything that's uh, part of the trademark is owned by Interplay. Uh, well, just call it Liberty Thanks. Space. Uh, and- no. <laughs> well, I had a question kind of about that because this this installment feels kind of like the Empire Strikes Back of a trilogy. Like, it's much darker. It, it, no matter how it ends, it ends on a down note. Let's just be honest. Uh, was, was this supposed to be the Empire Strikes Back of a trilogy? Was that kind of the plan? Yeah, we, we, had, uh, we had at least, I don't know, plan is probably too strong a word. <laughs> we had intentions of, uh, of resolving the, the questions that were uh, left open at the end of, of Free Space Two, and or, or at least you know moving the moving the story forward, um, but we never we never really had the opportunity to to do that. My recollection is we had several meetings. We had at least one brainstorming meeting where we got everyone together in the conference room, um, and we probably spent about a month on it. Wow. And well, those I think those on DLC. I think there's there's plans to do a DLC. Okay. And like Silent Threat kind of thing. Yeah. The DLC wasn't even add on disc. Yeah, you're, you're off by a decade. Add on disc is that what you're talking right. about? Yeah, DLC. Yeah, DLC was. <laughs> Barely well, then we're going to do a microtransaction version. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. It's going to be free to play and you can play on your phone. It's, it's we were very forward thinking. Do you want 10 uh, more shootings to shoot today? Just pay $10? Just pay $10. Right. So, you know, Free, Free Space 2 did not do that well, although my, my recollection is, contrary to the lore, it actually was profitable. Um, and 
hate to bring this up in public. Did you guys ever get a free Space 2 bonus? I did. I got a $128 check. That's it? <laughs> that was my bonus. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was great. Okay. And that, so, so what happened? So it shipped in, um, what, September of, of 99? Yeah. September yeah, 30th. Okay. And then, so even though uh, Free Space 1 was a parallax software game, um, Free Space 2 was a Volition game. And when uh, THQ bought Volition, they owned the royalty stream. You know, they owned whatever rights in it that Volition had. Um, and therefore, theoretically, Interplay had to pay royalty checks to THQ. But my recollection was under that agreement, under the agreement that predated the acquisition, that they would have paid bonuses. Partly because it just wasn't going to be that much money. Is that when you got your 120 bucks? No, you, you handed me a check for 120 Well, I would hand you the check just because I would like well, to this, hand some money. But this was, <laughs> this was pre-THQ? No, I'm I think pretty we were, sure. We were this, this was like we right this, after. We were in this building. We were in this building. Yeah, we were in this building. Yeah. We, were, we were down in the no. southwest. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I, I, I was right. wondering if that was yeah. for real or I made it up. It was no, like years later. We were in the southwest conference room. Right. And it was like I emailed the eight or ten people and said, hey, uh, oh, I got bonus checks. That's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's, that did happen, yes. But the... the there was a there was a there was another bonus that you paid. It was one hundred twenty eight dollars, but it was like right after the game shipped. It was a little tiny one. Okay, but anyway, right, so that. we eclipsed our advances. We got royalties, and which and given an Interplay's uh, not very strong marketing effort, I don't think they spent a whole lot of money marketing. So even though the game did not sell a ton, I think they made a little bit of money on that. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was Interplay who didn't want to do Free Space 3, right? I can't yeah, imagine we tried to do it. Well, what yeah. was actually happening in the market right then that uh, that space games just kind of ejected, right? Like the whole well, the whole joystick good. generation yeah. went away. Yeah, the PlayStation 2 was, was on its way. And it, yeah, it was, console, yeah. it was consolification, really. But, but I agree also that the joystick was not becoming a, uh, something every gamer had to own. The two big genres by that point were um, first-person shooter and real-time strategy, I think, and those are mouse games. And FPS is pretty much obliterated. Yeah, they yeah. were so new, and there was so like Counter Strike was out, or it was Counter Strike was out when Quake. we were working on Summoner, right? Quake, Quake one, Quake two, yeah. or three so was probably already out. Those were on a meteoric rise, and I think people were just so amazed by them that yeah, you know, that's what that's what was the interest interesting thing for the next I don't know half decade before. Yeah, I mean, both flight sims and space sims saw a severe decline around the same time. Well, yeah, because we we are also not not just space junkies, but we're super fans of of that whole like Jane's series of flight sims that were going on in, the, in that time, just right? Flight and, sims in general, yeah. Well, flight sims in general, but but the Jane stuff was like put that up on a pedestal and, and worship it, right? Like it didn't get better than that, and it, it, it's just like all of that stuff. Because I guess joystick related, right? It all kind of faded out at the time. But when we were when we were in the midst of of uh, a bounty of this stuff, it, it was it was kind of easy to uh, not realize what you had, you know, because it, it's it's just like well, there's you know a space game coming out, you know, on on the monthly. It's it's everywhere. Right, and then once it once it was gone for a decade, then everybody really started jonesing for it, and and it was just like, gosh, you know, I wish somebody yeah. would. Do. But then the uh, the mod community stepped up and started modding on FreeSpace because it was the best engine that there was, and uh, and also I've heard a lot of stuff yeah. because we we've had people um, who are the mod community come on here and. The one thing that comes from all of them is that the Fred editor is yes. the best editor yes. tool for any game ever, <laughs> anywhere. Jason Hoff, this... <laughs> he wrote awesome. He, he started it. Well, hold, wait, I'm sorry. Oh, gosh. Chris Holvig. No. Yeah. No. Yes. Holvig did not work on Fred. On Fred. He worked on Red. You're right. For Fred, okay. Fred, well, <laughs> then Hoff has, Hoff has finished it? I think so. Okay, yeah, no, that's good. That I, yeah. Good. I didn't. I didn't give credit to the wrong guy. Yeah, Jason Hoffis wrote pretty much that whole thing. I started yeah. it thinking, oh, I could write an editor in a few weeks, and uh, I thought <laughs> this is a big project. Someone else better do it. Yeah. yeah, the open source community is still using that to this day, and they 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 swear by it. They they love it. They 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 can't rave enough about oh. how amazing that editor is. Yeah. Have you guys seen those? Have you seen the stuff that they're doing with this? I don't know if you go back and pay attention to that, or you've kind of moved on. But it, it would be interesting and, and validating to them, like, 
do any of you guys ever actually fire up the mods and play it and and just kind of see what they've done with your baby because it's amazing the like especially like the blue planet team they've put uh just shaders and stuff in there that that game looks like a 2014 release yeah uh, i think i suspect one of the first things people did was replace the entire graphics pipeline in there because free space 1 was basically a, was a software renderer and in the last what two months we've snuck in like really basic 3d support um for like the voodoo one cards and stuff and then in free space <laughs> two we expanded it a little bit but voodoo two voodoo two yeah right and and like the, <laughs> oh god a couple other whatever the, it was like the crazy assortment of weird competing cards at the time yeah. the tnt two and stuff but uh the the engine was just never never really properly built for it was basically just using the hardware as a as a rasterizer and so it was terribly inefficient and I'm like I'm guessing they just tore that out and put all the fancy new stuff in and like Well it's all OpenGL now, right? Is that correct? I'm not sure. Well, the hard work so. Yeah, I, I believe thought, so. Because yeah. when we were talking about the DirectX and put in OpenGL, hmm. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure, sure they could do any, yeah. any number of things. Yeah, this thing does widescreen now. It's it's absolutely stunning how how good this game looks. We've watched a fair number of videos, like especially recently since we've been talking to Brian about doing this. But the, um, it's uh, yeah, it's amazing. I I can't believe it's the same. There's any of this. Any, any lines of code that are, that are shared there, it's pretty... <laughs> now, how did, the, how did releasing the source code come to happen? Because that was really a boon for keeping this game... This game, I mean, it's, it's still amazing, but it could have easily been forgotten if it weren't for the source code being released. So how did that happen? Well, we did it with Descent. I, I assume we did it with Descent, too. Um, and then I guess we just thought, well, that's what we do with our source code. We release it after a little while. Um, and, you know, with hindsight, it's a little surprising Interplay allowed it. Um, I, I, well, actually, I'm not sure they could have stopped it, but they, they certainly gave it their blessing. When did they become public? Um, oh, they were public. 90... Was it, it was, before, was it before 1 was out? No, I think it was before 2 was out. Yeah, I think, okay. it, I think it was 98. I'm remembering 98 for some reason. Okay. And so Free Space 2 went out in June of 98. I wonder if Interplay change your tune after they were a public company but back then you know they were former developers well, I mean they were developer I didn't mean it <laughs> but they were founded by people you know with their foot in development and that was kind of what a lot of people did back then you know they were very open about what they were working on they always wanted to show everyone their stuff and um, I thought you know we can write much, much better code on whatever game we're going to do next after Descent 1. So we didn't feel like we were really giving anything away. Um, and it just kind of became what we did. But I think, did we release it for 2? I can't remember. It was just, it was Free Space 2 only. Okay. Yeah, it was like, I think what had happened was, is, I don't know, maybe two maybe two years went by or something and we kind of realized yeah that we're, there's never going to be a free space three and i said that was probably i kept it, bugging yeah. mike i said can we release the source code we just get this out there there's there's no reason not to like we had moved on to summoner and other things and there wasn't there wasn't any sharing some of the code had been brought forward but there was no active sharing so the free space code was pretty much all it was ever going to be and i, I had thought that you were you said we can do this. I don't think Interplay can stop Yeah, well, I mean, like that. that's kind of what I just said here, right? And, and I thought, well, wait a minute. We own the code. Yeah, you're um, like, what are they going to do? So <laughs> we did it. Yeah, I think, uh, the, yeah, now that you mentioned that, that, we were, Dave in particular was really active in the, the free space community at the time. And, uh, you know, we had this the online matchmaking service we rolled ourselves and all this other baloney. I mean, you know, there was no Steam at the time. And it right. was... Uh, like he was on the forums a lot. We all kind of were for quite a while there, and that was just something everybody was asking for. It was like, oh my gosh, we'd love to add this or convert it to look like I don't know Babylon Five was a thing back then yet or right, not. I remember or, that. Know, That's right. That was one of the <laughs> big deals with that happened with the engine and uh, the community was so super hardcore about it. Like they were just they loved this game. They were modding it. They were doing everything they could, but there's a limit to what you can do, just driven by table files and. Yeah. Changing bitmaps around and models. I think we had maybe we had released the POF the POF compiler, like the model <laughs> the model compiler at right. one point, but we but that's only marginally useful. So the with the full source tree, they were pretty much unrestricted. 
Now, now I wanted to uh, go back to something someone mentioned earlier. Someone mentioned I'm having trouble keeping talk, keeping track of who's talking. But uh, but uh, someone mentioned that's okay. It's it's what it's this it's the neighbor nature of Skype. Uh, someone mentioned the word scale, and that got me to thinking about really one of the real massive features of this game are the capital ships. And just not only their sense of scale, but this is really the first space game that, like, in, in TIE Fighter, you had Star Destroyers and stuff, and they would shoot lasers at you. But here you had fighter beams and flak cannons, which were, I think, a first, even after the, all these other games had come out. How much work went into making these amazingly massive and detailed and threatening capital ships? They were, they were a big problem, technically. It was a challenge. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, I like our. I I don't know about tech side so much, but like our wise, it was tough to put enough tech, interesting texture on it. You know, on these. Um, you know, we had very very tight memory restrictions, and we couldn't just throw a bunch of custom maps that were all you know specially designed for specific polygons and all that stuff. Like you can't. We couldn't really skin it like we would today, right? Mm. And um, so we had to rely on a lot of tiled stuff. So it became a real the the challenge was was covering such a large piece of real estate with enough unique detail without blowing our limits because um, you know the it's so big the the texel you know the texel size was just gigantic yeah the texel to, size is probably bigger than a fighter ship yeah it yeah, really was and you know your eye tends to especially before there was like you know trilinear filtering and whatnot it was your eye was really drawn to the size of texels as a as a cue for scale, and it was um, that was a that was a big problem for us, like trying to strike the right balance between memory and uh, just kind of visual density, and 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 impl- when you're up close, give it, making it not a blurry mess, you know. <laughs> there were also a lot of um, non-rendering issues, like the AI. Pretty much, we tr- we mm. treated we acted as if you were fighting in a vacuum, which you are, except for all the other objects in that vacuum. And the chance of two ships going, pursuing independent goals and crashing into each other was effectively zero until you added those capital ships. And then you'd be trying to figure out why this mission was breaking, and you'd find out that critical ships were smashing themselves into capital ships. So now there were these things you actually had to avoid there. Or if, if uh, whatever, an enemy was coming after you and you were on the other side of a cap, if you just ducked behind a capital ship, that enemy would fly right into the capital ship. So we had to write, you know... We, we had to sort of write, uh, you know, object avoidance code. And in and, and Free Space 1, that came pretty late. Um, and I assume you rewrote it all in Free Space 2, and it was actually good. I but. think probably. So Dave Ansager, <laughs> Dave Ansager, Dave Ansager was, the, he was the guy who did the physics engine on Free Space 1, and he was on Free Space 2 as well. And I would say 50% of the time on that project, he spent dealing with AI around capital ships. Yeah. Because one of the other issues, too, is... Um, they had moving parts. Well, they had moving parts, but when you want to make a small ship attack a capital ship, you can't just have it do it the same way it would attack any other ship because it you looks dumb. It can't just dumb. fire at the middle. It can't it just stupid. fire at the middle and get behind it. It looks ridiculous. Yeah. They have to, they have <laughs> to like, circle around it and find interesting points, and there was a whole lot of work done there to make them like make them behave differently and make other ships behave differently towards them as well. The biggest capital ship in Free Space 1 versus 2, was it like a factor of 5 difference or something like that? or. I mean, I didn't really think of them as being different until I really had to at the very end of Free Space One. Yeah, there were the two. There were the two big super juggernauts. I think that's probably what what really broke the camel's back. There yeah. was the juggernauts from Free Space Two were so much bigger that sort of the hacky like the way it kind of worked on Free Space One just totally fell apart completely yeah. for those. So we had. I think I think in those models we had all these little spline paths and ways right. ships could decide to fly around them that would oh look my gosh, intelligent because right. otherwise they the AI just couldn't do a good job of yeah know, how so do I we, choose a smart looking path we helped it along with some rigging data yeah I forgot about that <laughs> right so so it was the artist's job to create the path information it was essentially like nav. Na- kind of like nav points. Uh, nav points. They, they were, yeah. yeah, they were just hints though. They weren't like literal rails yeah. or anything. It was, uh, but yeah. that helped the that that simplified the problem quite a bit. I think it, the explosions were also kind of tricky because we wanted them to kind of yeah like split in the middle the way you know the way they break apart in the middle and kind of drift apart. And that was that was a little hairy. I think John did that. Didn't There's he? some rendering trickery John there. Slagle. It's actually rendering two ships with two I different planes. I did not know planes. that until the game shipped. 
Yep. Yeah, when the moment they split apart, it's rendering two ships, but against the clip planes, sliding clip planes. And yeah. I believe there was also some serious physics problems with that too, because there was two yeah. gas ships self-intersecting each other at that point. Yeah, I think Anseiger <laughs> had a little fit about that one. That was another amazing thing about the game is when if you were close enough to a capital ship when it exploded, you f- even if you didn't have force feedback, you felt it. Yeah. Yeah, our physics was well beyond any other game of that type at the time. I remember being very impressed with it, um, especially the like the one. Sh- uh, this is probably Free Space One here, but the one that had the big rotating piece. <laughs> I should know this by name. Yeah, that is Free Space One, but that's okay. Showing my hand here, but the, yeah, <laughs> showing my age as well. But like, yeah, it had the big rotating orbital part in the middle, and it, like the the day that Dave made that actually smack fighters and have them fly away in an interesting manner like believable and realistic angle was was like holy holy cow yeah. you know i'd never seen anything like that that's a that's a particularly tricky physics problem moment of inertia he told he talked to me for like an hour and a half about what moment of inertia was and i was sort of really nodding off at the end but. <laughs> it's interesting because the, the, the guy in question here is dave ansager who still works here yeah yeah uh, oh. physics and he happens to have a phd in physics so <laughs> oh, damn uh, uh, he really, Born really, to do this. Yes, he really, really knew what he was doing, and I think his PhD, his like what he did for like his specialty was like Deep space was, physics was no. mechanics, which is all about you know interaction <laughs> of objects. Oh, I space. didn't know that. So he's pretty much the perfect, smartest possible dude. You Who could, knew? He just walked. He just put his application <laughs> in one day. <laughs> yeah, he's really, really smart. <laughs> well, I got I got to give you guys props for one of the reasons this game is so good even now is the is the engine the dogfighting engine. It's really one of the most fluid dogfighting engines to this day. I mean, no other game captures how good space combat feels. Well, and by contrast, uh, the the stuff in like Wing Commander, even the late Wing Commander games, yeah, it, st- it felt like fly on a desk. It, you didn't feel like it was really a <laughs> dynamic thing. And and then of course in this game, uh, it's it's pretty great. I think actually the the height of physics that has been done is uh, that Battlestar Galactica mod where they actually put um, they they put a um, a lot of momentum and stuff and you you know you have to uh, think about that because you'll drift into something <laughs> you know you're trying to turn and you keep flying the the way you were going, um, but the, just the fact that the engine's capable of that stuff you know is, is a testament. Uh, to all, all of that, um, but you guys were saying about you know like the cap ships and the scale and that that was a thing that struck me uh, literally immediately uh, whenever I was playing those missions is you get between two cap ships that are duking it out with those beams they don't care about you and even <laughs> even the friendly ship doesn't care about you it will it will nope. just blow you away and it's a one hit thing you know there's no like oh no it knocked my shields down you're just atoms at that point. Um, so it, it led a uh, a very serious caution about flying in between two big ships that were duking it out. You just really didn't want to be there. And uh, as I recall, when, when we put that stuff in there, there were some issues where the the ships would attempt not to shoot if you were there, and we thought that was ridiculous, right? Like if you were flying, in we're going to lose the war because this idiot's right. Flying. Because you know there was there was AI code that was somewhat common, and the AI code would say, "Oh, you know, my friendly players in front of me don't shoot my lasers." Well, you know, I'll bet that was fighter code. Yeah, it's I'm like, sure it was. well, the player's in my way, so I can't fire because he doesn't want oh, yeah. to get killed. Well, that's fine, but a capital ship can't not fire its beam at the other capital that's ship. Right. Yeah. So we had to put in some code to basically say, "Well, just who cares? Like, if you're in the way, you're dead, and it's going to kill the player a bit, but it shouldn't be enough that it's." frustrating well i think it's cool right I mean, I mean, when cool, you yeah. see that happen i kind of love it i, I kind of love that that can happen it's just <laughs> the whole like don't walk out in traffic you know right it's like yeah you get that you get that uh sound when the uh, beam weapons were yeah. were powering up and uh i just remember that being a very tense moment not knowing whether or not you're you're about to get vaporized <laughs> right or yeah other physics thing that that we noticed in there too was whenever you're in the torpedo bomber and you're flying because we had a we had a problem where it's like every time we we keep launching these torpedoes and they get shot down how how do we get through this and then Brian figured out oh yeah you hit the you hit the afterburners and you get haul and ass and then you let the torpedoes go because they get the momentum of the ship and their own rocket so they go much faster and then you mm-hmm. can actually get them through the defenses just stuff like that 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 we're still discovering today of, yeah. of ways to play that game. So that's cool. 
Now, one thing I wanted to ask about, well, I have a bunch of things I want to ask about, but one of my favorite things about this game, and it's a little thing, but how much work went into the HUD? Because mm-hmm. this game has the finest HUD of any space fighter game I've ever encountered. And yet this you resisted the you resisted putting their cockpit in, though, which was kind of controversial-ish like at the time. Well, I don't know. It came down to probably two things, primarily. One would be, like, rendering speed and technology it's just like well do we really want to spend the the polys and the whatever on doing a real cockpit here or do we want to cover up the screen with some like you know 2d cockpit or um do we have the art skill to pull one off in a good a good manner i mean it was a lot it's a lot easier to design like at least for me it was a lot easier to like cook up a 2d you know, uh, virtual heads-up display sort of cockpit than it was to do something with some substance to it. So that was part of it. But, yeah, I mean, we iterated that HUD, all the little, you know, elements on the HUD a lot. You know, I, I recall I, we, that. We added a gauge a week before we shipped. It was the how many ships are, the dots, that oh, how many yeah, ships yeah, yeah. are attacking my ship. Or, I love that. Or, I yeah. love that. It's such a little thing, but it's like when you see it, it's like, oh my god, that's so amazing and important. That's true. And like the la- the late editions are all Mike's idea, and I remember being only I could get an idea in that late. Yeah. <laughs> well, not well. No, that no, that wasn't it. It was just I don't know. I felt like I felt like a, a few weeks earlier we we just shouldn't be touching that stuff anymore or whatever. Oh, you were. I right. was paranoid yeah. and stressed out and. And, like, Mike was like, hey, what about this? And I was like, are you crazy? And one of them was, like, the dots was a g- good addition. The other one that I thought, I just, I think I literally rolled my eyes at him, was the the target, my target's target. <laughs> he told me, he said, uh, That's, that would be a great keyboard shortcut to add. And, like, are you kidding me? That that just sounds insane. And, of course, it's, like, one of the most useful things. It really is. Useful keyboard shortcuts there is in the game. Well, so, and that was an interesting one too, because there was a lot of feature creep that came from that. Because <laughs> there was like every targeting feature we had also had a next and a previous. So oh, whoever did target right. my targets target I had to do target my oh, targets right, next right. target target my targets previous target. <laughs> and so like every oh yeah and the shit the modifier <laughs> it just got yeah. really really complicated. Uh, it's like a big. It was like an undo stack, or it should have been like an undo. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure how that was tracked. That's pretty. It was a pretty I complex thing. Them. Yeah, you guys sold that was, a lot of joysticks for Thrustmaster, that's for sure. Uh, we All that programmability. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a box that was probably about, I don't know, it was like two feet by two feet by three feet or something yeah. full of broken through. Well, I mean, we really started breaking them with descent when people yeah. used the hat, which is, you know, what, for like weapon select in a, in a normal, in a real situation. People use that for movement. Well, if it's for movement, you're pushing hard, right? Um, yeah. And it was plastic. So we would break those hats and um, throw it in a box and get the next one. And we would just literally like there was a guy, there was a guy thrustmaster. We call up and say, "Hey, we we're we're done with the current batch. Can you send us another one?" And he would, and he'd send us like their latest stuff and whatever. And he'd want to hear about our feedback, and you know, never charge us a dime for all the. You know, I mean, we're talking about at most like ten joysticks here, so you know, it wasn't like a huge expense for them. But you well, know, when you got the dual, that was like a hundred bucks, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Right the, 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 hand, the throttle the thing, hottest or whatever. Yeah, we're we're doing hand motions here that make it all. Um, <laughs> Can you see what I'm doing? Because it's really interesting. Yeah. Now the yeah the throttle on the left. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. So yeah, we had that, like I had one of those setups for a while, and we, I don't know, I ended up. Going back to my old two-axis, two-button joystick, like like I always did in those days. So, uh, but like for personal preference, but like for testing and whatnot, yeah, we had lots of boxes and boxes of, of new and broken joysticks. Sandeep added uh, the force force feedback support, right? Was yeah, that, at what? the end of Free Space One or two. I, yeah, I it, was... it was thrust. There were a couple of manufacturers doing force. Oh, was it wow. just vibration, or was it making it harder there to was, move in a There was direction? directional force feedback. Yeah, directional yeah. force feedback. Yeah, that was a late addition, right? Those are huge Another thing, like, well, how hard can that be? You know? Yeah, I was, I was actually using a Microsoft Sidewinder force feedback at the time that I got the game, and it would actually, when you get hit in the in the right hand side, it would knock the joystick to the left pretty hard. Um, cool. So you knew where the hits were coming from because the stick would actually shy away from it. Yeah, I think that I think he he put that in pretty quick. It's uh, it was Sandy Shaker. He's over at uh, Naughty Dog now. He's, uh, me, me and him started here started Evolution on the same day. Both put on free space. Nineteen ninety seven. Nineteen ninety seven. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, yeah. he is, is went on to design uh, Summoner titles, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I, w- I, I never got to experience force feedback with this game. I kind of feel like I'm still missing out. I really, I, I need to track down some kind of force feedback choice. Well, what you could do is actually when you play the game, just have Nicole stand behind you and like wiggle the chair and smack you in the head when you get shot. That would, that would be great. Yeah. That, that'll be, that, that's a fabulous idea. And she will love that because she never. She, uh, she's looking girlfriend. for an excuse. <laughs> now, I wanted to move on to one of the, the, the really biggest lauded um, parts of Free Space 2, the story. This story is still, I think, one of the best in gaming. I mean, it's dark, it's detailed, it's deep, and it doesn't end happily. Hmm. You know? No. Yeah, and it's um, it was a bit in, in, in hindsight. Um, I mean, knowing the way that the uh, you know the fact that we weren't able to uh, make a free space three, I, I wish that um, I wish there there had been more closure uh, at at the uh, at the very end of it. But yeah, there's there's some big unanswered questions uh, there, and and although you can uh, you can. And on a on a victorious note, it's still um, you know it's still at a, at a at a pretty big cost. Yeah, and it has Robert Loja in it. it has Robert oh, Loja. I wanted to ask about the voice <laughs> acting. You guys had Robert Loja. I wanted to ask about the voice cast because you had Robert Loja. You had uh, oh the guy from RoboCop, uh, Kurt Kurtwood Smith, <laughs> and you had the other guy from RoboCop too. Oh God. Uh, oh, uh, Ken. No, his name in the movie was Dick. Dick yeah, Jones. Dick, Dick Jones. Jones. It was Dick Jones. Really? Yeah. Uh, was or the guy? He was in the game. Oh, Ronnie Cox. Ronnie Cox. Ronnie Cox, yes. Yes, nice. Ronnie Cox. You guys had some great voice talent yeah. in this game. How did that all happen? We also had great local voice talent, right? Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> Interplay, Interplay did all the Hollywood stuff. Yeah. I remember there was oh. uh, somebody had come out here... Uh, I think just to learn about the game and the different characters that they that they were going to the voice um, producer. Record. Yeah, I, I, wow, I, who I, was I, don't, that? I don't remember. Jim Jim might know, but um, I remember talking to him for for maybe ten minutes, and then um, and then we got uh, voice files uh, at some point in the, <laughs> in the future. So so you didn't fly out and no, for the recording? No, not for free space. Yeah. Really? Because yeah. I thought I. I have recollections of you being in the vicinity when Loja was doing his recording. No. <laughs> but somebody was, because... I remember know. some jokes. Yeah, well, yeah, well, it was Robert Sloja. Yeah, because he said that his was his name so slowly. They call oh, him oh, God, Sloja. what? That's R for Robert Loja. He could not <laughs> keep up the pace. Oh, his. God. <laughs> yeah, he has a very distinctive voice. Yeah. I remember being impressed that we had, like, that caliber, like... They were real name people, yeah, yeah. people that you knew from big movies. I was like, wow, this is so amazing. Yeah, our previous brush with fame was like getting uh, Alice, Alice from Brady Bunch to do the Descent commercial. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh, who's a big deal now. Or no, the best, my favorite, was the dog from Frasier. What? Was, we oh, had, we you're, had talking, the, you're talking Descent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like yeah. our previous brush with fame. Was what about Rodney Dangerfield well, from the other Descent commercial? Rodney Dangerfield and who was the... Uh, Jenny McCarthy. Jenny McCarthy. What? Uh, um, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, she did a commercial. She was um, only on MTV at this point. In they, her they tried to get Dennis Rodman. Um, <laughs> Dennis Rodman. But and because he, I think he didn't make the All Star team, and that's when he would have a window. But he decided he wanted <laughs> to go to Jamaica instead, or something like that. Um, and that's why we got Jim Harbaugh. Um, <laughs> oh right. No, was it? Yeah, it was Jim Harbaugh. I think it was Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Yeah, some sports guy that I didn't know. So d- does that actually get sales? If you, if you have like, a, let's say like, okay, Mike Tyson comes on TV and he's like, buy Descent Free Space. That, that I mean, yeah, does, does that actually guys. connect? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, I think marketing's not produced solid data for us over the years, so I, I don't know. You mean, are you talking about recently? Well, yeah. ever. I think he's, it's a general question. I think, right? Do yeah, star well, sell products? Yeah, star sell products. just in general. Like, you know, if you had a, I mean, if, you're, I think if you're selling a Rambo game, game, you get Stallone, right? And it's going to work. But if you have yeah. some, you know, like Dennis Rodman hawking a space game, I don't na- necessarily know that his fans are your fans. 
Yeah, but, they did not do TV for, for for free space either one, right? And they pretty much didn't do marketing for free space too. <laughs> um, but for the, but I think the sent TV campaigns were a big failure. I mean, economically, oh, really? return on that investment I think was negative. Uh, yeah, but, um, I mean, you can't, you can't really know, but I don't remember talking to anyone. I was like, oh, I saw your commercial last night. Um, and I didn't even, I had to look at, you know, the, the real or whatever, the VHS tape probably that we got to look at it so I could actually see the commercials because I never knew when they were going to be on TV. <laughs> yeah, Descent yeah. was, uh, was pretty interesting, that, like a departure from, you know, because it, it was like Doom and then Quake, and then suddenly we've got full six degrees of freedom you know, in, in a cave system kind of thing. And, and it was just, uh, like how, how did that leap happen? Uh, were you guys uh, just like, well, Hey, look at this because we can, let's, let's make a game. Yeah. Well, um, so as far as descent goes, Matt and I had worked on pledge simulator, Microsoft pledge simulator, Whoa. Uh, which was developed here in Champaign. And <laughs> so really all we did was say, let's do a flying game. And, you know, we did not even, know anything about doom when we started it uh we actually saw it very early we uh, went down to dallas where apogee who was our initial publisher was and they introduced us to the id guys and i guess enough years have gone by i can say they said you know you should ask for this much money they'll pay it to you um which so it was a very good tri- trip for us <laughs> i never heard that wow Oh, well, I've been very good about not saying it. Yeah, I'm impressed. But, uh, maybe not enough time has gone by. I don't know. But um, we weren't even thinking we were in the same genre, you know, uh, shooters or what, whatever. We were just doing, like, let's do a flying game. Let's bring it indoors because there's more stuff to do. You know, otherwise you're always doing these big barrel, you know, whatever. You're doing these lengthy maneuvers. So, um Really, it was just a, a combat flight simulator brought indoors, which could slide and go backwards and stuff. But you know, that's how we viewed it initially. You couldn't go, you couldn't slide. You could go, you could go backwards. You could go forward and backwards and turn, but you couldn't slide. And sliding is really what descent combat is all about. And then, sort of ironically, we made it simpler when we did free space, which is we took all the obstructions away. <laughs> and it was just you know little ships out there flying until we put capital ships in, and then created huge problems again. But, it it, it um, kind of. It kind of reminds me of the Red Faction evolution because the first two games, there were these like more corridor things and they were good. But then when you got to Gorilla and opened things up, that was damned amazing. Right. And, and in my opinion, um, we learned from making two corridor shooters with destruction, which is that it doesn't, it's, they're, 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 those are features that are at odds with each other. Um, destruction in a corridor shooter is, is limited, destruction in an open world is much more. Um, I'm trying not to look at Dave now because we had a lot of arguments about uh, the early <laughs> development of that game. But um, at, at least I thought it made sense. And actually, uh, the profits on Red Faction 1 and 2 were way higher than they were on Red Faction Gorilla. <laughs> hey, uh, by, the, by the way, guys, we're getting some kind of a feedback in the thing. Like, I don't know if somebody's uh-huh. knocking right. a, a thing or something. But no. so, It's part of the fan. The, the fan. Our the air fan conditioner on kicks on. Just turn it off. No, it's, sure. it, it actually sounds like somebody's touching something that the microphone's attached to. Okay. Or something because we get All like right. a, it, a, it, a, a bong it noise. Hot, so it's not. It's a li- it's a little wonky. Right. Uh, uh, turn down your volume a little too. That could be. Yeah. So now that you're now that Free Space One and Two are on GOG and uh, Steam, have have you guys been surprised at how popular they still are this many years later? I I don't know. I, we don't get any data on that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think just the fact that people are still playing it, and there's still this this very active community. Um, you know, it amazes me every time I, you know, I, I go to check things out or, or I interact with, uh, you know, folks from Hardlight Productions or, um, <clears throat> you know, the other, you know, whatever else is going on. Yeah. So what I think it was. I think it started making a comeback. I remember hearing that original boxes of Free Space 2 were selling for like $100 or something like that. I don't know when. Yeah, that was. they were. It's probably like 2005, were. six, something like that. And I and then I started hearing more. You know, I, I remember hearing about the Babylon 5 mod and various other ones, but I guess it got bigger and bigger while I wasn't. I think most of us weren't really paying that much attention to it um, when we were on console at the time and we were working in a different market and it um you know it's it's very gratifying um it's it's nice to know that people still care and um when i recently went back and looked at some videos i thought wow you know that actually looks pretty good it holds up pretty well today 
Um, and you know, a lot of a lot of old stuff is coming back, and then you've got new games that look old. You know, I mean, things like Minecraft, right? It's certainly not being <laughs> sold on the 2014 graphics. So, um, I think uh, you know, maybe there's too much derivative stuff being done that people wanted to go back and look at older games. I mean, if you look at Chris Roberts' stuff, I mean, sixty-three yeah. million dollars to me indicates there are people out there who want a space sim. Like people, I can't believe how much money they're throwing at that project. It's it's incredible. It will be very interesting to see what happens. I know. There. I, I, and it I, could be very important what happens I'm there sure too. He's, yeah, I'm sure he's overwhelmed. But it's like they added pets. Yes, they really. Yeah, yeah. Are that was the pet, latest like, stretch going, goal. Like all the Ultima Online stuff. Yeah, finally. I would, you know, if I was them, I'd be worried about. Okay, we have so much money. We need to produce something clean and coherent, and not not attempt to chase a million features. Because now we're getting more money and more money and more money. Like. You want to build a coherent game. Yeah, they should build the game they were going to build and then build more after that. But yeah. get some, just because you thought they thought they were going to build what? I don't know, a $5 million game? I think it was two. Two. You yeah, can't, just, you can't take wow, that really? design document and say, okay, let's yeah. amp it up by a factor of 31. No, no it doesn't work out. No. Yeah, <laughs> I just a, wish there was... It's a, it's a great indicator Sorry. that there's still interest out there or perhaps oh, yeah. it's, it's coming back. I don't think it ever went away. I just think the market changed and shifted in a different direction. I mean, I think the fans were still there, but I think they got uh, outweighed or outnumbered by fans of other things, which sold sure. Console. I mean, the rise of the consoles. Exactly. And, uh, the big AAA, quadruple-A titles of the consoles kind of drowned out the more hardcore, yeah. you know, niche kind of games. It was a hard 10 years, or at least it was more than that. It was like at least 11 or 12 and then we've started seeing stuff again. Which yeah, is, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, it's, I'm it's I'm so curious. I, I'm curious what's going to happen with this new round of games. You know. Well, I don't know if you guys have played Elite Dangerous, but I that, have. That is the bee's knees. I have. I've been having quite a lot of fun with that game. Um, I'm afraid it requires a little more time than I can muster lately, but uh, it <laughs> is pretty cool. As any good Elite game should. Well, they've been adding features faster than I can really appreciate them, which is you know a sign that I'm not going to be a long-time player of this game. But um, <laughs> hey, sadly, but I, I like my get heart older, is, and then you can play more games. Yeah, I play it, and I'm just like, oh, this is really, this is really feeling like old times. This is really hitting the spot. I like this. It's it's cool. I, I dig it. Yeah, yeah there's sort of this in, in semi-indie genre that's coming about where they're not quite the little tiny indie genre games, but they're certainly not the full-scale games. And seeing that side of the industry grow back again is really nice because that's where, that's where people are unafraid to try something that's new and interests them because their budgets aren't so high, but their budgets aren't also so low that the game is complete crap. It's a sort of a sweet spot in there. I don't know. We, at, what, at some point, you cross the... From the five million mark to the fifteen million mark, and whoever you're dealing with gets scared about making a game that might not sell. And right. You, the pressure comes on to okay, well, we got to make it a little more. Make it like that other game that exactly. everyone knows and did well. Yeah. When you're in the fifty million plus range, forget about it. It's all science at that point. Yeah, with Sarsis, and I kind of wish they'd stop doing stretch goals and just say, okay, we're not going to focus on development, you know, because it's getting ridiculous. Pets. And and early, what were there some of the stretch goals? Or a bar, uh, towels, an aquarium. Towels. Yeah, towels. I'm not even kidding. Towels, in-game towels, not real towels that you would get, but in-game, in your hangar towels. We had to, we had to cut towels from. Them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I kind of like that. We, we couldn't get the, uh, the towel movement going, so we cut it. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah, the technology at the time couldn't handle the realistic uh, the fur of the towels. <laughs> I think Star Citizen, their initial scope was really big. I think probably their initial goal, funding goal was probably not enough for the scope they had planned. But what they have now is way more than they needed. So I mean, something amazing should come out of that. Let's hope. Let's really, really hope. It's, We're rooting for them. Yeah, I mean, if that, if that, I'm worried if that becomes a failure... It'll it'll reflect poorly on the rest of the genre and the genre. Uh, I think it'll reflect poorly on all crowdfunding too. Oh God! I think you know. I, I think it, I wouldn't say it's at a tipping point, but there's more and more people who feel they got yeah. burned, and well, and you know the, the worst enemy you can have is a former fan who felt betrayed. So um, I think it could be 
that I don't know if if that thing turns into a train wreck, it's going to be a really uh, interesting and significant train wreck. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the green steam green light stuff and the crowdfunded subgenre has had mixed results. There have been some big successes and a couple of really really dismal failures. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. I think people are still on the fence. Yeah, it's definitely it's a double edged sword. <laughs> Real quick, is the audio better? Did the problem go away? Oh, no, yeah, we're fine. You, okay, good. I don't know whatever that was, but it went, It has gone away. Thank you very much. Probably the air conditioner fan. You guys are all still in Illinois. How is the weather out there for you right now? It hit 42 degrees today. It's pretty good. <laughs> oh, God. If that was L.A., people would be hanging themselves. They would die, yeah. <laughs> they would be dead. Yeah. Overnight, their pipes would freeze, yeah. <laughs> pretty Rioting. Much. I mean, it's raining out here, and people are losing ah. ever-loving minds. <laughs> well, it's dark here right now, but it's probably close. But anyway, uh, I guess we—I guess that's probably a good place to wrap this up. I do actually kind of have to get back to work, surprisingly. But, uh, gentlemen, I—I want to thank you so much. And if we could do this again, maybe with, like you said, maybe other people who were involved in the project, or and you guys again, that'd be awesome. We should talk about oh, that. Oh, ab- absolutely. Definitely. And I, I would yeah, also but... like to know what sort of bribe it would take to get another space game out of you guys uh, now that the market's hot for it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's um, – it, I mean it's great to talk to you guys about this. But it, it's um, – what's Volition got in the pipe right now? Like what, what's happening? Huh. We are working on next-gen – our next-gen title. Isn't something announced that – no, no, at E3, at, not at E3 in in Europe. Uh, no, well, there's so. the 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 GAT stuff. Yeah, but, yeah, no, but nothing nothing new has been announced. Um, nothing new based out of this studio has been yeah. announced that I know, right, Jason? No. no. So is is there perhaps like a new IP coming along or something, or are you guys still kind of in the same space? Well, at the moment, we're focusing on a big tech upgrade, um, dealing with basically switching away from cross-gen stuff to purely next-gen um, engine building. Uh, we had the, the code base from basically Saints Row 3 and 4, actually from Saints Row 4 and backwards, uh, is sort of a, is almost, almost a 15-year archaeological history of Volition code. Um, you can find stuff, you can find descentphysics.cpp still, in the Saints Row code base, so slew mode, slew mode, yeah, oh yeah, exactly. So we there was a lot of baggage. It might have been code I wrote, in, in other words. It's, it's very it's possible, possible. Uh, certainly. But There's you a... eradicated all of it in the last year or two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so we've been basically tooling up and, and shedding a lot of the baggage that comes from just old techniques of of, of building things that worked on previous generations, um, and trying to, you know. Make a spiffy new engine. Yeah, and that, and that's the thing, in just in the video game market in general right now. Um, we're we're seeing uh, like the the transition from previous gen to next gen, and it seems like all the studios are kind of in that valley right now, where they're they're divorcing last gen and trying to to get their stuff in current gen. But there's there's no real good AAA stuff that's hitting. You know, there, there's some stuff, but it's you know no, nothing that I'm super enthused about yet. Um, but it, but it's you know like everybody's like oh god is video gaming dying or or what because you know nothing good is happening and the sales are bad and it's like well no because you, you got to get like two years into the platform before everybody's got their toolbox together so yeah I have I have pretty high hopes for this generation just because the hardware is much more uniform and much more friendly than the last one or even the last two generations hmm. so I expect things to be much smoother and higher quality quicker this time around is the okay, port- have- okay we'll let we'll let brian get because he's gonna no no, no i have a question i have a random i have one last random question since you mentioned saints row uh the first saints row game i played was two and i loved it but when i played three i was disappointed to find that the septic avenger <laughs> mission was removed and that how was did my i know fi- he was going there and my fi- that was my favorite thing in saints row 2 so i just want to know why what happened? Hmm. I don't know. Sounds like a question for the writer. Yeah, none of the people who decided that are in the room. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I, oh, that was so great. I mean, your well, games are. Saints Row Three to be too wacky. I think was the. <laughs> 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 I 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think Saints Row Two was was kind of the peak of the. If it feels good, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, oh, really? no, really, and 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 it didn't really matter if it was part of this coherent experience or if it one of the pillars of our game design or whatever. I think in three, you know, we, we got back to being a little more serious about that stuff and trying to, you know, not just go for the quick quick laugh. Um, you know, it's still plenty ridiculous and, and offensive and whatever but at, at different at different points, but it's it was more of a. Uh, a little more crafted, I guess, right. in that sense. Well, I want to uh, wrap this up. This I wanna, is a non-designer's uh, opinion, of course. That's fair. <laughs> but I want to say, I hope next time, if we do this again, I hope we do this again, we can get some folks from the open source community on here to like talk to you guys about you know what they've worked on with the engine. I think that'd be great. Complain about the code. <laughs> they very well might. I don't know, but I think that'd be at least fun. Ask you a specific question On about code you wrote in 1998. Yeah. <laughs> what were you thinking? What the hell? Exactly. Is this I think for viewers, it'd be very entertaining. <laughs> I did spend when we did the when we released the source code. I spent I don't know two three hours stripping out curse words from yeah. comments and <laughs> sterilizing it a little bit. <laughs> I did graphs on various words before we released the sent code, and I thought. You know, the obvious, you know, the seven <laughs> magic words were not in there, believe it or not. Um, hey, I've, I've got it. I solved the problem. We can make everybody happy. Problem? What what but, you need to do is a Saints Row DLC in space. Ah. Right? So, like, let <laughs> Gat fly a, a Starfighter. Yeah. Four was kind of in space. Four was in space. Yeah, but you didn't fly <laughs> a Starfighter around, did you? Mm. Are there any free space Easter eggs in the Saints Row games at all? Probably not. Mm. That'd be cross publisher. Mm. Yeah. Cross John would, oh would, yeah, I guess that's publisher sense. could be. I don't know if you can compl- You can contend it's parody when it's in a commercial game. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's at that level of art yet. You know, <laughs> parody in a movie maybe, but yeah, that's assuming someone. Can. That's assuming you could even find it. I mean, we've had, we have had people. Sneak Easter eggs into the game that even we didn't know were in there. Yeah, <laughs> over it's the not years. The best. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, well, we actually had the uh, essentially the 2001 monolith in Red Faction that we ripped out, and all it was was a one four nine ratio dark object, and we ripped it out. Um, and I don't know who put it in in the first place, but when I saw it, I thought I don't know, and I asked a couple of questions, and I thought oh, let's just rip it out. Um, it's just an Easter egg, and we don't want to get crucified for an Easter egg. <laughs> so I think uh, as the industry matured, some of that stuff became less frequent, except for rogue programmers doing whatever they wanted. Yes. Oh, and hot coffee happened. and Right? Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. Oh, uh, yeah. yes. Right. Well, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Gentlemen, I want to thank you so much again for taking the time. To thank come you. out and talk right, to us. Thank you. Thank it's you. been fun. This yeah. has been a pleasure, and we have to do this again if we can. Absolutely. And I will let you, Adam, I will be in touch. I'll let you know when this goes live. You want to share it anywhere. Yeah, sounds awesome. Thank you so much, Brian. And we had a great audience in Twitch. People were talking left and right. I think it's one of the biggest audi- biggest groups well, of folks I've seen in Twitch yet. So thanks for everyone right. for listening. All right. Fantastic. Have a great ha- have a great day, everyone. I'm about to cut the stream. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Hey, folks. Just a reminder, this is a rerun, and next week will be a rerun, too. But we'll be back on August 21st um, with more content on the web- on the website and the YouTube channel, as well as a new podcast on August 22nd. So thank you so much for listening, and have a great week. Bye.